fantasy and some flights. Exploring the realms of beer, board games, books, and bourbon. Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy and Some Flights podcast. I'm Nelson. I'm Dalton. And today we are here with another board game episode talking about asymmetrical player powers, or as Board Game Geek likes to call it, variable player powers. Uh, so Yeah, but asymmetrical is way more fun to say. It really is, and it's really hard to spell. <laughs> I don't think I've spelled it right in the last like week when I've been preparing for this, so... You know, it's, it's that's, been that's fun. fine. Yeah. It's going to end up being my, my job to spell it well. <laughs> exactly. In the show notes. But I'll have to do it once and then I'm just going to put APP. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. App Create acronyms. We do love our acronyms. Uh, yep. <laughs> but before that, all that, as always, let's uh, let's talk about what's on our flights. What are we drinking tonight? So do you want to go yeah. first? We're actually, so we're in the in the spirit of being like safe and healthy. We're actually not together tonight, which is sad because I wasn't able to bring mm-hmm. Dalton a whiskey and Dalton was or Dalton a beer and I w- and Dalton was able to give me a whiskey. So it is we're we're apart, but I see you through the screen, which is kind of nice, but right. just not as good. But uh, <laughs> just not as good. <laughs> but we did stick with our uh, like you said. You're drinking whiskey this time. I'm drinking uh, beer this time. We're going to stick with our current trend. I'm drinking a beer from so to stick with acronyms. I'm drinking a beer from THBC. THPC. Which is Terre Haute Brewing Company. Yeah. Terre Haute Brewing Company. Um, Terre Haute is the town where our college is. So we're, we went to school in Terre Haute, Indiana. This brew, this brewing company is the only one there, as far as I know, anyway. <laughs> I'm drinking their Rose, um, which I believe is probably named for our alma mater, which is Rose Holman. Um, it has an elephant on the front, which is the mascot of the school. Um, and the elephant has a little rose bouquet, which is super cute. It is a Belgian dark strong ale. So this beer was given to me by our good friend Amram. Um, he supplies the podcast with a lot of beer, which we really appreciate. We love you. Yeah, we love you. Uh, and it, like I said, it's dark strong ale. It is 10.8%. Um, so I'll have to be a little careful tonight. Nah, uh, but this go is, for this it, beer man. Is like, go for it. Just go for it. Just <laughs> down it. This beer is like right up my alley. So I love dark beers. I love sweet beers. And th- this one's right there. It It's at like a 23 IBU. It's not super overly bitter it um has like uh sort of like a like fig like plum kind of like dark spiced fruit kind of feel interesting Um, it's very thick it's almost like bready it's also pretty common for belgians though right belgians have kind of a like a thick feel to them like a you know like an earthier bready feel you can even see like i don't know if you can tell it has a slight purplish color yeah that's interesting it's mostly brown it's like very very brown it's not grape juice or something like that it's very very brown but it's like brown getting slightly into like indigo or something so very cool. Yeah, it's a very pretty beer. I'm really enjoying it so far. Like I said, I gotta drink it a little slow, or I'm gonna become <laughs> become overwhelmed for our uh, topic today. But it's <laughs> it's a really good beer. If you have a chance, if you're stopping through uh, Terre Haute, Indiana, I, w- I would really uh, suggest it. For me, this is this is a four cheers, and, which is pretty rare, nice. I think, for a yeah, for a first try. Like this is you know that's pretty rare. But I'm I'm this like first of all, like I said, it's right up my alley. Like this is my type of beer. Uh, but I think it's just executed really well with the like the multiple kind of like dark fruity flavors like some like caramelness and like of that like fruity spice that's coming through it's like 10.8 percent, but it's not coming across as like alcoholic not even like wine it's like a little bit in the aftertaste maybe you're like left with like a little bit of an alcoholic aftertaste but other than that it's like it's just it's really smooth it's a great flavor so yeah highly recommend it if you can find it very nice so that's a that's a four cheers for us that's awesome it's very exciting yeah yeah for sure what are you drinking so i uh i'm on that whiskey kick so today i'm drinking bone snapper straight rye whiskey which i explicitly bought because of the name because i don't <laughs> know what i'm looking for in whiskeys yet but bone snapper sounded promising so um yep. <laughs> it's a it's it's a straight straight rye whiskey so it's a very bold and spicy it's a 95 percent rye mash with uh the other five percent being malts 
And then uh, it uses limestone filtered water from southern Indiana, which I'm not sure if it's bullshit or not, uh, if it actually matters. <laughs> but, hey, it said it, so I felt like I should include yeah. it. It's a, it's, it is it is very spicy. It does kick you in the teeth. It, it was aged for 27 mm. months, and it's bottled at 108 proof, so 54% alcohol. Okay. And so I, I bought yep. this, I don't know, probably about two months ago, and I, I, I started drinking. I was like, this just hurts because it's 54%. <laughs> and so I sent a Snapchat yeah, to a Dalton. I was like, this sucks. He goes, is that 54%? <laughs> Put an ice cube in it. Damn. Like, And so, <laughs> when, when I, <laughs> so now that there's ice cubes in it, it's actually significantly better. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah. So yeah, the uh, the the ice makes it a lot better. Uh, it's it's still you know it, you don't drink it quickly, right? It's a uh, it's yeah. definitely a sipping whiskey, um, and it's also if I I if I finish this around the icebreakers, I'm not going to remember the recommendations. So uh, yeah, <laughs> we're, we're, I think we're in the same boat tonight, which is never a good sign. So well, I'm glad that uh, it's working for you because like you, when I when I got that like snap from you, I was very concerned because it's like oh man, like Nelson's like <laughs> going out and trying a rye, like you know I'm so proud of him. <laughs> exactly <laughs> like i want him to like it um and then i like looked closer and was like wait a second i know the problem yeah so so I'm glad that we're fixed we're yeah yeah i think for me this is and i'm still trying to figure out my whole cheer systems with whiskey right so i think this mm-hmm. is probably gonna be a two cheers for me but yeah. i think that's just because i've bought like two whiskey or two rye whiskeys in my life and like comparing this to mm-hmm. templeton i i like templeton's just significantly more and so i don't know if i would go out and yep. buy another rye whiskey um uh, that Makes isn't sense. templeton that i would want to keep around that being said i right. may try a lot more and this may move up to a three at that point so but i think i'm going to yep. keep it at a two for now just knowing what i know yeah. i mean it's it's wisdom beyond your years here. <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> so let's move on to what's been on our table so dalton what have you been playing in the last i it feels like we haven't recorded a board game episode in like I was going to say a month, but it then would it would have been a month, but like, <laughs> it feels like it's been like yeah, three months. Yeah, you're right. It's been a month. Like the holiday been, just kind of com- it does. Like elongates time, it feels like. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it interrupts it. Yeah. Um, we had our first Fantasy and Some Flights board game night. It was awesome. Um, hosted over Discord. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, we did that the weekend before uh, Thanksgiving weekend. And yeah, I had a ton of fun doing that. Um, we had a great group together. We had a couple of different tables going. And, and so at my table, we played Taverns. We played Taverns at Tiefenthal, which is the second time I've played that. And I've, I really enjoyed that game. It's a cool um, one. Yeah. It's it's really fun. Did you play like, with... Fun little... Oh, sorry. Did you play with any of the modules? No, we chose not to. We had one new player, so we chose not yeah, to. Yeah, that, that's smart then. Yeah. But uh, but I definitely would be interested to try them. We kind of just like glanced over a couple and they, they look really interesting. And it's a really cool way to design a game, right? To like, it's almost like they designed a full game and then they like backed out sections of it until they got like the base game. Yeah. And they included all those sections that they backed out as like these optional modules that you can, that you can add in to make the game more complicated if that's kind of your preference. But yeah, we, we had a great game of... Uh, taverns I, I love the it's like it feels like a deck builder and it, like it is but it just plays very different than other deck builders because you're basically like you know you're playing cards from your deck until you hit a condition which is that all of your tables in your taverns have filled up with guests um but you can also in your deck have like you can have like serving i forget what they're not serving crew but they're like crew members basically yeah. like employees employees yeah. um and they're yeah like a waitress or like a dishwasher and like those give you benefits like for that turn um so you're kind of like drawing through them um, and then on top of being a deck builder, it's also like a dice placement game. Um, so you're kind of drafting dice out of a pool of available dice, a uh, very Sagrada-like in that sense, um, and then placing them on your, your little uh, workers, which you kind of just like drew out of this deck that you've been building. So just it very cleanly combines several of our favorite 
mechanics into under like a theme that's like kind of an like kind of fun it's not like excellent but it's like hey, yeah, it's perfect for us tavern. right like the, yeah, the beer, us, right? they, they had schnapps and i think the first module so you know we're getting yeah getting a yeah. little hard there yeah exactly it's and it, it's a lot of fun i think the game just comes together very nicely I'm, I'm always like very pleased when i'm playing it so yeah wolfgang warsh has been knocking out of the park he's got taverns he's got quacks he's got the mind he's mm. just i think that he's becoming one of my like go-to he's he did wavelength oh like yeah. the lighter end of the spectrum like he just like mm. nails it i think that's so cool yeah, and it worked really well. We were playing over Tabletop Simulator. The whole event was hosted on Tabletop Simulator and our Discord. We had a really nice feature or really nice program for that. So like that worked really well, really nice mod. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed that. We also then taught someone Splendor, which is like, I mean, it was basically a filler game. We were waiting for the other table, which was Terraforming Mars to like finish up. We did that and then we played... Deception, Murder in Hong Kong. Deception. Yeah, we did. We played Deception. Uh, murder in hong kong which we talked about last episode yeah um, i think as, i like that game as my recommendation for <laughs> yeah my recommendation for eight or more players um, yeah so that worked really well over tabletop too um, which i was a little nervous about how a like social deduction game would work over uh, tabletop simulator but it worked very well yeah so, yeah it was a good so i was the uh sure. not not the investigator but like the clue giver and it was significant For, yeah, forensic scientist forensic scientist and it yeah. was significantly harder on tabletop sim- simulator for the forensic scientist than it was for because like in, like in tabletop simulator you can hover over and like zoom in on cards and you don't really want to do mm-hmm. that because then you kind of give it away <laughs> <laughs> yeah give away what you're looking at so yeah. i just like go and hover over every single card and just like took i felt like i was taking forever so <laughs> but oh yeah but it's like code names in the way that like when when the clue giver is taking a while people just start like shooting the shit yeah you know, just, yeah, like, yeah. It's, a, it's a good one like that and we were doing that like i said we had a very active group and so it was a lot of fun so anyway, so if you're interested in joining us in that, check out um, the Discord. Easiest way to get to that is probably through our website, fantasyandsupplies.com. Um, you can make your way to the Discord there. We're not going to bombard you with a whole bunch of notifications, but it is where we schedule um, the game night. There's a special channel for, uh, for scheduling the game night. Um, if you're listening to this episode on the release day, our next game night is this coming weekend. Um, so we haven't actually figured out yet if it's going to be like Saturday or Sunday of this coming weekend or maybe even Friday night. Um, but it will be in a couple of days if you're listening to this on the day <laughs> of release of the episode. Um, so yeah, feel free. Like it's not too late to like join in. You can do it day of. It's not going to impact anything. We'll just have tables set up. Uh, people hosting different games. Um, and we, we would love to have you. So yeah, it was a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Hopefully we see you there. Yeah. So that's me. Uh, what's been on your table? I feel like I answer this question the same every single time you ask me when I say a lot. Um, <laughs> but good job. Yeah, no, I like I, I I am fortunate enough to have a wife that likes to beat me at board games, so we get to play a lot of board games. Um, but so I and I've been trying to figure out how to do this a little bit better, where um, I just I, I'm not just like trying to pick a random game or something so i'm trying to pick like a theme or something for what i've been playing the last month and the okay. the, the theme slash mechanic that i'm talking about this time is like a rondelle and so for people who don't know what a rondelle is a rondelle is basically a, a way that you can select actions and it's in a circle typically there's it's the circle think of like a pie chart and the pie chart, mm-hmm. if it's broken up into eight different sections, that means that there's going to be eight different actions. And you move a pawn to one of the slices on the pie chart. And then typically there are rules of like you can move up to three spaces so it limits your next action. So mm-hmm. um, sometimes you can pay more for that. Sometimes, uh, so like if you want to go four spaces, you can go three and then pay a money and then go to the fourth space to take that action. So, but it's costing you something. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I don't know what it has been. I've been like on a Rondell kick in the last like month or so. And so I think it kind of 
what kicked it off was Imperial. So Imperial um, is mm. the game that you you talked about, and that was the game that you talked about last episode, last icebreaker of the game that yeah. you wanted to see a book made out of. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Imperial had a rondel as a communal rondel where people would control countries in World War One, and they could tax the country, then they could produce with the country, and the rondel was mm-hmm. moving the countries around the actions on the board. Combine that with the other games that I've been kind of talking about recently, like Maracaibo and Great Western Trail. Those are both rondels as well, where you're moving around the board, taking specific actions at the locations. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one we don't we haven't really talked about, but historically, and I'm giving all the historical background before I talk about the new games that I've been playing. The historical background, mm-hmm. um, Tale to Walking was actually, I think, my first rondel. So Tale to Walking. Okay. Ooh, I, Mayan. Get a 50-50 shot of getting that right. Um, <laughs> uh, you're, you're controlling a civilization and you're building up a, the, I think it is mine, the Pyramid of the Sun. Yeah, uh, it is, yeah. Yeah, so I never really thought of that as a rondel before kind of like I got into it. But the two new games that I've been, that I've just recently got in, I bought one and I got one in a trade. The first one is Trajan. So Trajan okay. is a game by Steffenfeld who did Castles of Burgundy. And it mm. feels like the next step up from Castles of Burgundy. It, it's a really good game. I think it's ranked like 95 on Board Game Geek. So it's in the top 100. Mm. And Trajan is interesting because you have a rondelle in front of you. And you get, there are six different colors of like action cubes. And you get two of each color. And there you move around the rondelle. There's six spaces. But the interesting okay. thing here is it's, have you ever played the game Mancala? Um, like yeah. the, the bean one? So right, it's, it's right. similar to that. So your actions. Or like five tribes. Yeah. 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 Very. Yeah. Yeah. So you you take all of the action cubes and you Mancala style drop one in a clockwise order. And however many, whatever you land on is the action you're taking. It was, it was really interesting because there's a lot of decisions that have to be made there. And so the six actions correspond to six different Pretty much it's six different ways to get victory points on the board. And uh, you mm-hmm. get like these special like tiles, which will score you victory points at the end of the game based on if you have more buildings built or if you have conquered more of the north part of the map. I don't really know the theme, but <laughs> but um, but got all of those zeros. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, it, it's a really good one. I think that you would really enjoy it. We just played it for the first time last weekend, and I'm really excited to try it again because it is a game that you can straight up ignore half of it if you want to and still do fairly well. Oh, your favorite type exactly, of game. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, so that that's Trajan by Stefan Feld. Mad Board Gamer from Gamecasters really like that really likes that game and that's mm. kind of who pointed me to that but in order to like not run completely over time the other one that i that i just got is the red cathedral which is a 2020 release and this one oh yeah is it's really cool i really like it because it's a really small box so it doesn't like it, it definitely could be you know this grand box that you know everything comes in these days mm. uh but it, but it's clans of caledonia sized box um yeah. so okay. it's pretty small but the it's a communal rondelle in this sense where all players are moving around the same rondelle, but it's dice. And you move the number of pips on the dice around the rondelle, and then you re-roll the dice once you take that action. So it, it, it's, mm. it may, you can't have too much of a strategy because if someone moves that dice, it's going to be a different value. So you can't plan ahead too often. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of tactical mm-hmm. decisions. But what you're trying to do is you're trying to build 
a a palace for Sar Ivan the Terrible, and um, yeah. so you're you're working to get resources. That's my life goal. Yeah, yeah, me too. I I dream about it almost every <laughs> every Wednesday. So <laughs> if I yeah, if I could ever, it's not even Ivan. Just if I could build a palace for anyone whose title names ends in the terrible like i would, I would feel really accomplished <laughs> oh yeah no i'm just looking to do something for a czar um <laughs> <laughs> much broader yeah. i understand <laughs> but yeah uh th- this one is it, it's just a really fun game uh we there's one of those games where we played it and then we played it right then again we didn't even put it away we just played it twice in a row uh oh that's awesome yeah. love that but what's really cool about this game is there are five different colored dice and mm-hmm. whenever you build or whenever you like commit to build a section of the cathedral you get to like power up one of your dice so i want to power up the mm-hmm. blue dice so now every single time that i move the blue dice i get an extra gold or every time i move gotcha. the blue dice i also get the benefit of the red dice wherever it's sitting at and so it's mm. i mean it's crazy like some of the decisions and like uh trying to set you up just for the right turn and then the player right before you takes the dice and you're like no i can't actually move it anymore and so <laughs> um i i have really enjoyed uh the red cathedral and so if you haven't cool. tried that it's only like 35 and i think online mm. that was from my flgs on online from like some of these like uh board game companies it's like 30 or 25 seen it yeah so it's really not a bank buster at all um but yeah but yeah that's what i've been doing i've been delving into the realms of rondells (laughs) it's it's a very exciting life over here (laughs) (laughs) realms of rondells i like it. realms of rondells yeah and you yeah yeah and you uh i think you had submitted the red cathedral for like a game for us to play potentially uh this weekend yeah yeah absolutely Uh, so i'm really hoping that one gets picked up i doubt it will because no one probably knows what it is but, <laughs> but i mean it's a shorter game like it's definitely under two hours so it'd be you know that that, cool. that side of the spectrum so yeah be really awesome cool. i'm looking really forward cool. to it yeah we'll, we'll definitely have to play it at some point we keep saying this and then we never play any games together that we say we're going to play together so. that's not true we played zolkin we did Remember play we zolkin. That was, zolkin for we did, like forever yeah, three months ago we played zolkin it was awesome <laughs> <laughs> but the important thing is we said we would and we followed through and that is what i like about us is we follow through Absolutely. on our commitments and we are very explicit to never put time <laughs> limitations on them because then we know that's we would right, just never, that's right never we would never yeah just never bracket it we'll be fine <laughs> So yeah, as we've been talking about on our last couple of board game episodes, we joined a a gateway network, so a network of up and coming or content creators in the board game space. And so what we like to do is we like to dedicate a little bit of our time on our podcast to shout out other members of the gateway network. And uh, this week, we're going to shout out Date Night Dice. So Date Night Dice is uh, a podcast and an Instagram. So it's Ben and Emily and their husband and wife are what they call Ben and M, uh, which I think is kind of fun. So uh, Ben and M have a podcast and an Instagram all about kind of like married life with kids and how you can like tips for date night or like, you know, how, how they do movies or board games and that kind of stuff um and so it's it's really fun and like a unique uh, way of looking at the hobby of because a lot of us have significant others or children or other time commitments and it's like they they kind of give all the tips throughout their stuff also plus kind of what they've been doing on how to have effective Mm -hmm. and fun date nights so yeah. Um, so shout out to yeah. Date Night Dice. They're a member of the Gateway Network. You can find all of their information on 
thegatewaynetwork.com. So go check them out. Um, really fun podcast to listen yeah. to after you've listened to all of our episodes. So <laughs> I, I love uh, I love Date Night Dice. I think they're doing a great job. They have like great chemistry, and like you said, it's just such a cool and unique concept, and such a cool and unique way to look at like like we analyze board games because like we like the math of it and everything, but they're really looking at like how do we like how do we maximize our experience like through through this board game and i think that's such an important like viewpoint to have on the hobby so yeah i'm really happy with what they're doing it's exciting. yeah it's fun and i think they they only live about an hour away from the game casters and so i know that they've been oh, cool. getting together and playing some games recently so <laughs> so i'm not jealous you're that's jealous awesome. so um <laughs> <laughs> but so we got another icebreaker from uh, Schmaka, and her question, which I really like, I, ju- I just got it, is what is a house rule that you would not play a game without so much so that you kind of forget that it's in the base rules? Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> that is a good one. It's also just a fun question of like, hey, here's our favorite house rules. I'm really tempted to talk about Game of Thrones. Like, it's like the first one that comes to mind, but we've, al- we've also kind of talked about that. In <laughs> and then they printed several- it. I think it, I think it became a rule. <laughs> <laughs> and then they printed it, and it became a rule. So I'm going to give that an honorable mention. So Game of Thrones, if you haven't, you should play where the power tokens are tradable. Um, because if you do, the game is way better. And if you don't, then like it's a political game, but you don't actually have any like bartering power with other players, and it like all falls apart. Blake Nelson said it was printed in an expansion. So you can officially play with that house rule now. <laughs> um, I think... Honestly, I think one of my favorites, we talked about this just like last episode. I think one of my favorites is Terraforming Mars that you get dealt to corporations and you can always choose from the beginner corporation. I know that's like a really minor house rule because there's like a couple different ways that the game like recommends you can like start the game. Like you can randomize corporations or you can just choose them outright. I don't remember, honestly, if it, I think it has an option that's something like deal to choose one kind of thing i think it is deal um, to choose one yeah but i i really like that we've always included the beginner corporation as sort of a something that sort of like standardizes it because the beginner corporation in terraforming mars is almost never like just like a game winning choice by its own um, but it's always like solid and I, I think i have i've definitely been in situations where i've like opted for the beginner corp because like the other two options are like like maybe something like uh oh what's the is it saturn systems or the jovian one yeah the jovian one i think it's saturn it is it's saturn systems okay and it's like that's a really powerful one but it also like falls apart if you don't like start with any jovian yeah you know yeah yeah. um and 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 another one would be like interplanetary cinematics where it's like you start with all this (laughs) steel but if you have like no building yeah you're starting and like you're just screwed and so like both of those are like kind of like unplayable options and so it let me like default into the beginner corp and like still have a still have a good game it's Um, also kind of interesting because if you do have the options for you know 10 cards and eight of them are good you may not want to pick a corporation that you then have to pay for those eight cards because the beginner corporation Mm. allows you to keep 10 all 10 cards that are dealt to you and so it's kind of fun to figure out and understand the strategic decision of when to take the beginner corp because those cards in your hand are great and then you have money to immediately play them and so that that's the thing yeah, that sure. I never like wrap my head around with the beginner corp is you get the money, but you get the cards for free. So you can really kickstart that first uh, generation because yeah. a lot of the other yeah, corporations absolutely. are and spending it- the money to keep the cards in your hand. Whereas beginner corp, you don't have to right. do that. You don't have to do that. Um, so yeah, you start with a bunch of cash and if, and you can start with hands that you're like, if I just like dump all four of these cards on the first turn, like that's an incredibly good start. Yeah. That's better than um, Saturn. Like beginner right corp- now. So for sure, for sure. <laughs> Um, and I know it's like not a broken house rule because like we don't do it all the time. Right. You know? Like 
all we're doing is adding an option that like makes a, a little bit more of an interesting choice in that first one um, without actually like breaking the game. I think it's definitely worth trying and playing with it. it but uh, to like the spirit of that question, like I often forget that that's not actually a game. Rule. That's just like something that we came up with. Honestly, you taught me that way and I did not realize that that wasn't a game rule. So <laughs> yeah, oh, really did I? Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, I, just kind of I was like, yeah, this is the way it works. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, so for me, I'm going to pick a game that you have not played uh, age of steam. So Age of Steam is a game by Martin mm. Wallace who did like the Brass series, so Brass Birmingham, Brass Lancashire. But Age of Steam has a phase in it where you can basically take, like you can sell shares of your company and you get mm. five money for every share that you sell. And you then have to pay back your shareholders later in the game. But Age of Steam can be very punishing uh, if you don't do your math right or if you like get through the game it, it can be brutal if you uh, mm-hmm. if you don't line it up just right. And so the the house rule that I play with, which I found on Board Game Geek, is a house rule that they call emergency shares. And so at the beginning of the round, you take out your normal shares where you get five dollars per share for the company. Whereas the emergency share rule says that at any point during your turn, you can take you can uh, take out an additional share for three money. So if okay. if something happens, if someone takes that spot and you actually have to pay more to play your tracks out on the board, then you're able to do that and you don't just like lose on that turn, which uh, which is a significantly better and more friendly. It's it's less cutthroat, which yeah. I think is okay yeah. because that game is still pretty cutthroat. And so <laughs> yeah, so I that, that's I once I we played I think our first three or four games without that rule. And then we've implemented uh, it after that, and it's significantly better. That's um, good. I, I guess that doesn't really work with the question because I know it's not in the rule book, but it is something that I would <laughs> never play without, uh, especially with new players, yeah. especially with new players, because there's so many like microtransactions that you have to figure out. It's like, oh, I'm actually placing on a river, so it costs one more. And it's just like there's a lot of like math that you have to plan out at the very beginning of your turn. And then you have to do it on the first mm-hmm. turn of your first game. So it's just like, oh, well, this is dumb. Like. <laughs> i don't know how much money i need uh two just take out two shares why i don't know just so (laughs) but and and it is nice because you're getting a reduced value so you're not getting five you're getting three and so it's Mm -hmm. it's not as good but it does get you out of that bind while we were talking about this i thought of like one more it's kind of kind of another honorable mention because it's kind of kind of goofy but we have played a lot of twilight imperium uh, (laughs) in my group and so we once played and this is like it's an it's not even an honorable mention really it's more just a funny story because i would probably never do this again um but we like one time we had an eight person game uh which that's not the house rule there's like expansions to let you do that and we allowed a a system where players could like joint win like in the way that you can in like dune you know so like that you could oh that's cool um, declare like we are now in a coalition okay like if one of us wins we both very nice i like that a lot Uh, we did that with yeah, I love it as like a game mechanic, but it like totally broke Twilight. Like, <laughs> it did not work. It did we, not work. But it like it didn't work at all. But it was really fun to have like these like two large coalitions of like three players each like warring it out with like two like people like stuck in the middle trying to win on their own. That's amazing. Know? Like it was really funny. That's awesome. <laughs> um, but the reason it doesn't like work is because they in Twilight Imperium you can take like those like strategy cards um one of which is you get to choose first next round um so a single coalition could lock down 
lock down the selection track because they could say like this person's going to take first next round and it would be like the rightmost person in their coalition like if they're neighbors or something like that um and then they could like control the three best strategy cards over the course of the game which like totally breaks the game like it doesn't work anymore <laughs> but um, it's fun but it made for like one yeah yeah it made for like one really fun experience well that's so, awesome not a fair experience but a fun <laughs> one <laughs> that's awesome so our main topic tonight we're talking about asymmetrical player powers or variable player powers or apps as we like mm-hmm. to call them <laughs> <laughs> so asymmetrical player powers Dalton, do you want to give us a brief overview of kind of what an asymmetrical player power is yeah absolutely so the player has some sort of play option that's only available to them usually it's some sort of it's like a set of rules or attributes um, a race or a civilization or a government or something like that um, is very common theming for it um, usually selected at the start of the game um, but like i said it's totally uh, unique to that player and then the other thing i think typically replayable right so like when you think of like a race it, it would be in uh it might be a race in like gaia project or a corporation in terraforming mars um that you could play and and then like you would have access to all the abilities or, and the scoring that like that race has or whatever and then like next time you could play a different one and somebody else could play the one that you played and they would have had the same starting position that you had so it's not necessarily like a random starting position that's different from other players because um, sometimes games will do that, right? They'll like randomize starting resources or something like that. That's not really what we're talking about. Um, we're talking about something that's kind of like reproducible and, but still like unique to a player position and not like repeatable by the other or accessible maybe to the other players. Yeah, I think I think you knocked it out of the park with that description. Um, the one thing that you said, and so we may have a little bit different descriptions. I I explicitly point to variable or asymmetrical player powers as being chosen during setup. So after mm-hmm. after yeah. the game starts, there are things that you can grab. So a good example would be in Trajan, which we just talked about, is you can get additional scoring tiles that are uh, specific to you, and no one else can score those tiles. But I would not call that an asymmetrical player power. That's just something that you can gain mm-hmm. throughout the game. And like the example that I came up with is like Seven Wonders. So we always you know, brag on Seven Wonders Leaders, mm-hmm. which is one of the expansions yep. to Seven Wonders where you get the leaders. So I, I say that leaders is not an asymmetrical player power, but your Seven mm-hmm. Wonders mat is. So you get the mat yeah, at the beginning of the game, and that's kind of dictates what you can do, whereas the leaders you start, you draft, and then you get to decide how you play them. So it's, it's kind of similar concepts, but that's the line that I'm drawing in the sand, which is very faint. I guess, but <laughs> yeah, for, no, I, I would totally agree. Like I, I said, I think I said something like typically, because I, I think you're right. I think they're almost always maybe a, like a, an exception to that might be think of like Gaia project where you can like unlock powers of your like symmetrical, asymmetrical player yep. power, like later in the game. But you're right that like it was selected at the start of the game that you would have access to that. So it could be something like that. I think there's very few games that will unlock a, like the only game that I can think of would be like uh uh, betrayal at house on the hill where they're like halfway through the, oh, game, yeah. the game changes yeah and, you know and now like one player has a different power <laughs> where everybody started actually technically within a different player power because they have like different stats like movement and stuff right. which like don't really affect the game that much but like halfway through the game stat they're like actions that are available to a player to one player change drastically i think also in general that there there are a lot of games that will have like different roles like i don't i would not typically consider like code names a game with asymmetrical player powers right yeah there's just kind of like these two different roles or something i think that's another kind of important distinction about what we're talking about we're focusing more on like you said the civilization in seven wonders yeah on the corporation in terraforming mars you're you're playing the same game just with a different power whereas like code names you're the clue giver or the clue guesser where you're not playing the same game if that makes any sense 
I, I really enjoy asymmetrical player powers. I know there are people out there mm-hmm. that do not because it can lead to unbalance, which is an issue that with asymmetrical player powers. Oh, for sure. Um, but I, I do really like it, especially for giving a path or kind of like a, a, a route to victory. And there are games mm-hmm. out there where you have to play into your player power in order to win. And then there are games out there where if you kind of ignore your player power, you're still in the running. So if you think of like mm-hmm. Gaia Project, you have to play into your player power, right? You will not yeah. win. I get Well, I guess if everyone's sitting at the table and they all ignore their player powers, whatever. <laughs> but like yeah. if, if you're playing – if you're playing – a race that's super science focused and you just ignore science the entire game, you're not going to win that game. Yeah. There are other games. So my example is seven wonders. Like you can probably ignore your wonder in the sense of like, you don't have to build your pyramid and you can still win. Oh, for sure. Yeah. There's like, it's a, it's a gradient on, you know, do you have to play into it or do you have to not? But I think what's really important is mm-hmm. all of them kind of give you that direction. They give you a yeah. path to follow in order to kind of start you out. Yeah, for sure. I think that's super important. I think we both like when playing Seven Wonders, we both will tell new players like you don't have to focus on building your wonder, but you probably should. Like it'll give you something to do. And Seven Wonders can be so overwhelming with like the choices in building your tableau that like having just something that's like, okay, how do I build my wonder? Okay, I need like access to wood. I'll grab some wood. And like it just gives you like that little bit of like something to do. And it's always going to be an okay path to go down anyway. Exactly. I I would say that Sometimes that the asymmetrical player power, like we were talking about, like, you know, the crazy ones or the not crazy ones, I would consider things like board setup to be an asymmetrical player power. So like Game of Thrones, it you have like your heroes that you're going to take into battle, but also you have a very mm-hmm. specific player setup. And yeah. this, this is kind of interesting because I think Game of Thrones does it kind of the opposite of every single other asymmetrical player power game out there where asymmetrical with asymmetrical player powers you are typically given a, a a different route and it gives you a variety on how to approach the game whereas game of thrones i feel like is fairly chess like in the sense of if you're playing stark this is probably the best way to progress into the mid game where it starts to get shaken up right so like if you're playing with and, and maybe this leads into more of the other aspects of the game. But like if you're playing with like Marco Polo, which is a which is a game that's famous for its crazy rule breaking player powers, you're all kind of trying to do the same thing, like progress along the Silk Road. But every single player power is insane. Like some people, you everyone has one pawn. Some people have two. One person starts at the end of the Silk Road and has to work backwards. Like I mean, it, you're you're almost playing a different mm-hmm. game at that point. But because it's so the board is randomized, you have to utilize your player power and go into the strategy thinking about your player power. Whereas like Game of Thrones, you can almost study openings for Game of Thrones. Like, so mm-hmm. it, it's kind of different. Like there's a very different thought process that goes into it. And it's just two different sides of asymmetrical player powers. It's like, how am I going to manipulate the board that's presented to me? Or how, how do I start so that I can give myself a strong finish? So like black, white, and yeah. chess, right? Like there, there's very standard openings. Yeah. It's kind of like the extreme example. For sure, for sure. I thought of, uh, just as you were talking through that, I thought of Axis and Allies yep. for the same yeah. reason. Yeah. Um, and, and like there are actually like player powers that are like a, a sort of an optional rule that you can play with where it, like it will give the different nations like something special that they can do. Yeah, which I, I like, like those. It, those are always play fun. with that because, yeah. you get to like... Yeah, they're kind of fun. Like Because you do it a weird way or not, not like a weird way, but a really cool way. I, I don't quite remember mm-hmm. you like... 
choose one that yeah. they can't so it pick gives you or like, something? Yeah. Yeah. So what we do is like there, there's a couple different ways that we've done it. There's like there there are six in the base game. Um, so we've done it a couple different ways. We've done it where like you roll two dice and like of those results, you get to like pick one. We've done it where to the access power gets to veto a power from each of the allies and the allies get to do the same for the axis powers. Um, and then the axis pick two for every nation and the allied pick three for every nation out of the five remaining. Um, so that they each have six because there's in axis and allies, there's three allied powers and there's two axis powers. And so that each, that gives them each six. Yeah. We've done it that way. And that way it's just like a choice of the remaining five or whatever. But if you're not doing that, the way that it kind of matches what you were talking about with game of Thrones is that you just have a different board set up. Um, you're just also like physically on a different portion of the board. And, and there are like, openings in access now it's like studied openings because the game state is always starts in the same same setup so i think you're right i think that's kind of like because i, I because there is a very large spectrum here of how, how much is the player power yeah, exactly like playing into the game you know we have some very extreme examples uh, like marco polo i thought also of uh dune is has yeah. like oh yeah like, no that's a great example it's crazy <laughs> yeah game breaking and, and i actually thought that they were game breaking and then there's like optional rules to like make them more so um, but it's still considered a balanced game it was just really funny that's like oh my god there's more like they get crazier powers um cosmic encounters um would be kind of the iconic like <laughs> yes I, that's the, that's i don't think it's the oldest player asymmetrical player it. power but it probably yeah but like one of those ones that like made it like famous yeah um, it amplified being, it because like it, it, oh, for it sure, definitely it's a core mechanic yeah it definitely brought it out into the open so like yeah i would agree after that it seems like games started implementing it because they saw the success and the fun of Co- like cosmic encounters came out in like what the 70s or 80s or something yeah like it's, that. A, it's, a, it's an older game it's an old game but i think it's in still in like the top like 200 or something like that yeah yeah, um, yeah. one uh another thing that i would kind of wanted to talk about is that there are some games out there where you do not have asymmetrical player powers but then an expansion adds it to the game and so i i love these expansions uh i just i i think you've realized over the past 21 episodes 22 episodes that i really enjoy asymmetrical player powers but there <laughs> like there there are games where i i would not play the game without the expansion that adds the asymmetrical player power it's actually kind of funny uh daniel uh, Tashini, who is the person who did the Voyages of Marco Polo, which is this game completely around crazy asymmetrical player powers. His mm-hmm. uh, his next two games, Zulkin and Teotihuacan, do not have asymmetrical player powers, but the first expansion adds them. And I I love. <laughs> <laughs> I think he has a thing for asymmetrical player powers as well. But I I really do yeah. enjoy those expansions because, especially Zulkin, the expansion to Zulkin Tribes and Prophecies adds the asymmetrical player powers but they're not crazy it's just like a little thing because zulkin is such a strategic chess-like game almost where it's like you Mm -hmm. you kind of like can build a strategy at the beginning and there are opening moves to zulkin whereas the apps the asymmetrical player power uh can kind of like change that just slightly it just opens up a whole world for zulkin Mm -hmm. or okay is there anything else you wanted to cover before we start into recommendations the only thing which would be a kind of a short is like bad implementations of asymmetrical player powers. Do you have any examples of bad examples? Uh, let's see. I I don't. I mean, I could probably think of some games where it would be like this would be a terrible, terrible place to include <laughs> APPs. <laughs> yeah, and and I um, have some of those. I have some, I have some games that I don't want asymmetrical player powers in, and then oh yeah, uh, but then like I can't think of a game that just has 
bad asymmetrical player powers. Like, I don't want to play... Right, where, like, it should be, like, yeah. removed. Yeah. yeah. The clue... Yeah, I can't think of anything for that either. Yeah, the closest clue. Thing- <laughs> oh, clue, yeah, no. The the closest thing that I, like, <laughs> I came to was, like, there are some spirits in Spirit Island that I won't play because they are too strong. So, like, the spread of rampant oh, green yeah. is just, like, insanely powerful. And it's just, like, mm. okay, like, it, it's fun. I played it, you know, three, four times, and it's, like we just win with this spirit. Like, it's just so good. Um, and so it's like, yeah. okay, like let, let's try some of the other ones. I guess that's the closest I would come to like a bad implementation, but I did have fun brainstorming, uh, games that I would not want asymmetrical player powers in. And so okay. like hit me. <laughs> so like, uh, food chain magnate. I don't want asymmetrical player mm. powers in food chain. Uh, so <laughs> I don't want asymmetrical player powers in brass Birmingham, like these heavy economic yeah. games where Everything is open, Age of Steam, right? Like everything is kind of mm. open and it's, I, I keep using the term chess-like where it's like, yeah. you know, you, you understand. I, I don't necessarily want to give an advantage there. Uh, I guess chess yeah. is a good one. And I think that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, and I think that makes sense in games that you kind of need to be able to be like flexible in your strategy, right? Um, Imperial might be another one yeah. where like, the the like the way that the game is working, it needs to have a functioning market. Yeah. Um. And the market wouldn't work properly if players were like locked into a strategy. Like players need to be able to like abandon shit from a certain play style <laughs> or a certain strategy, and yeah. in, in order to make the game fluid and functioning and have all these interesting decisions to make, and an asymmetrical player power will kind of like lock them into one, and everybody at the table will know it. You know, that's the other thing that can be kind of dangerous about them. Everybody will know, like, oh, like you said, that's the science guy. Like, that's that's what he's going to do. Yeah, exactly. Like that. Before we hop into recommendations, I did have, like, one honorable mention of a game that I wanted to talk okay. about that yeah. I have not played, which is kind of funny. But I just thought it was such a cool implementation. That's Vast, the Crystal Caverns. Have you ever heard of this game? No, I've never heard that name so, even. Have you ever heard of the game Root? Yeah, yeah, I know Yeah, Root. so it's by this, it's, it's, their, it's the people who did Root, it's their previous game. Um, so their first okay. game, I, well, I think it's their first game that they did is Vast, and it's a game of like it's almost a completely different game. So it's like a dungeon dive, or it's a dungeon crawler game. But like one person is playing the knight who's going to get the treasure. One person is playing the goblin horde that's trying to keep them away. One person's playing the actual mm. dragon that's protecting. One person's playing like the cave itself and trying to like manipulate. And like you have this hmm. board and where it's completely different and you're trying to all obtain this different objective to try and like figure huh. out your your win condition and it's different than everyone else wow that reminds me of like of like captain sonar yeah or something like that where yeah. it feels like you are playing a functionally different game like there are mechanics that other people are concerned about that just don't matter to you yeah kind of thing yeah no that's yeah. a really good point yeah I, one, one of our listeners uh harlan has um has vast and really enjoys it but i've never been able to play mm. it the the one thing the downside to that is once you've played it it's hard to play it with a new player right because Oh, I could see that. They, they can definitely exploit, especially if you're playing the dragon and it's your first time playing the dragon and someone's playing the knight and has already played the dragon, they understand how you play and they understand your abilities where you don't necessarily understand their abilities. So that can lead to some imbalance. Yeah. It's, it's a really cool idea. And I do want sure. to try it with three new players at some point. So, <laughs> yeah. 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 It's like you either need to pick, a, you need to set up a game where all of you are new. Or you need to play four games in a row. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fourth one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It'll be fair. Yeah. So, okay, cool. Let's hop into recommendations. Let's talk about 
what we're yeah. doing. And we haven't done a recommendations in a, in a while here, right, on a board game. Episode. No, we haven't. It's been a little while since we've done some recommendations. Do you want to refresh um, everyone so we'll on work, how we do it? Absolutely, yeah. So we'll work through a, we'll each give a low complexity recommendation that Im- has a good implementation of APPs. Um, then we'll do a medium and then a high. We'll go back and forth, uh, kind of snake draft it. Um, to get a little fairness. And that'll just kind of give you an overview of like, depending on where you're at, if you play board games a lot or a little or, or what your preference is, that'll give you hopefully something to kind of bite into coming out of the episode. Awesome. Um, so we uh, we typically decide who goes first, which means you get to pick the first low complexity and the first high complexity. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily yeah. know if I have a preference here. Do you want to go first or do you want to go Do you want to go second? Um, I'll go second. Okay, I think you'll I'll go second. Go second this time. Sweet. Talk. Yeah, so I will start us off with a low complexity recommendation. And the low complexity mm-hmm. recommendation that I have is kind of a unique one in the sense of your asymmetrical player powers can kind of grow over the course of the game, and that's Dead of Winter. Okay. So, oh, yeah. Nice. So, yeah. Dead of Winter is a zombie apocalypse game where you are working along with other survivors to try and survive zombie attacks. But be careful because there could be a betrayer, and if it is, it's going to be Harlan. <laughs> 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 but <laughs> the first time we played that game our friend harlan was the betrayer yeah <laughs> and and from now on he's just every time we just assume it's like it's he's not actually playing but like it's it's harlan for sure yeah <laughs> but what i what i really like about dead of winter is it kind of has two layers of asymmetrical player powers so you get dealt two kind of characters which has a very slight ability so maybe whenever you're mm-hmm. moving you don't have to roll for damage Something like that. Mm-hmm. Maybe whenever you're cleaning, you clean a little bit more than normal people. But then the other part of mm-hmm. the asymmetrical player power, which I, I, I'm i going to classify it as an asymmetrical player power, is like you have a different win condition. So may, Oh, yeah. yeah. So you get dealt a, a card at the beginning of the game, and it says, in order for you to win, the group goal has to be met, and you have to have met this goal. And maybe that's have four weapons or have mm-hmm. x amount of survivors alive or something like that but one of those could be mm-hmm. a betrayer and then you win if everyone else loses that kind of that that's where the betrayer mechanism comes in but i mean yeah this uh this game has like top tier components for me i i really enjoyed like like the zombie apocalypse on this uh it's just it's yeah, just like a fun sure. game um in that in that sense it's it's more it's definitely an ameritrash uh type like <laughs> yeah. story driven yeah game. where the theming is just yeah story driven yeah for sure for sure and i um i i think you know De- so dead of winter is a cooperative game like you said besides like the one betrayer um but it's primarily a cooperative game and i think cooperative games probably lend themselves to apps right we talked about in the co-op episode that it's very important in cooperative games that players feel like they have like an individual responsibility or role or something absolutely like that. yeah um, because it yeah, because it helps build like a teamwork aspect. It, it makes it feel like we talked about like, oh, like I'm the shield guy, right? Like you're the damage guy. Like this is our role. It, it encourages the team members to make like these kind of like selfless decisions and go out of their way to to do that. So as I was like kind of brainstorming through uh, like APP type games that we know and, and enjoy, I, like a lot of them that were popping up were cooperative games because it, it felt like I was, I was listening through. I was like, do all of the cooperative games we play have like asymmetry to them? And I think... I don't know, maybe 80, 90% of them probably do. <laughs> yeah, and that's very true. I mean, you think to even like some of the most basic cooperative games like Pandemic, mm-hmm. and that's built around Pandemic, asymmetry, yeah. asymmetry. So 
No, right. absolutely. I, I, and we, we did talk about it in the cooperative episode, but that is something that definitely, I think, makes a cooperative game is that you yeah, have a role absolutely. to fill. So are you saying the crew is bad because it doesn't have APP? No, no, no. I, I can't even make a joke about <laughs> that. Are you saying the that. mind is bad? No. <laughs> I can't even make a joke about that. The crew is fantastic and you should buy it for your loved one stocking stuffer. Yeah. It's a great stocking stuffer. But we played But that is a game that so is much so simple crew. like that type of Oh my gosh. Oh, did yeah. you? We beat level 50. We did beat level 50. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. You did. So you did me and my wife and my sister-in-law, we beat level 50. And it is insane, awesome. but it was so much fun. Yeah. So I'm sorry. Just a little brag yeah. session. We'll, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's warranted. You earned it. Yeah. Um, do you have a mech rating? Yeah. For, for, yeah. Uh, so Dead of for Dead of Winter, for the mechanics, I have a 5.5, um, which is, I don't know, it's about average, but it's an Ameritrash. Like the, the game, you're not playing for the mechanics. Yeah. You're playing for the story. The experience, I have it a 7.5. And I think it would have been a nine if Harlan wasn't the betrayer that first time. And then, um, <laughs> <laughs> And then it is honestly though it's like really disappointing when you're like we work so fucking hard. <laughs> it's so true. Just come in and just like trash our progress in the last round. Like thanks, guy. And then uh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah having a betrayer and like I, I don't know if it was explicitly said you don't know if there's a betrayer on the table, so it, it's oh, a little yeah. bit less than a fifty percent chance that there's a betrayer at the table. So you could right. you could not even have one in your game, but it, it does make for very some yeah. very tense last turns, which is always fun. Yeah. And then uh, the sure. the components, which is heavily carried by theme here, is a nine. This is one of my higher ranked components themes. It's a it's it's plat hat games, so you know they're going to do a quality job on the components, but also the theming is just top tier. Uh, there's not yeah. a lot of zombie apocalypse games out there. That that brings us to yeah, an sure. overall very nice six point nine out of ten. Very nice. <laughs> Thanks, Pavlov. <laughs> That's gonna be my new thing. Just anytime you like make jokes about six point nine or sixty nine, I'm just gonna reference that. Pavlov. Pavlov. The dog. Yeah. 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 The dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sparky. Um, I, I do think. It, yeah, Sparky, <laughs> oh yeah, Sparky the dog. He's you can play a dog in Dead yeah, Winter. It's obviously an amazing game. And we oh, that's another house rule. Is if you oh, don't that's a great pick house rule. Sparky as one of your characters, you're automatically the betrayer. <laughs> you are the betrayer because, like, why would you not pick Sparky? He's adorable. Oh, I love it. Gold Retriever. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And <laughs> I don't think I've ever lost a game where somebody was playing Sparky. That's, you can't. It's actually impossible. It's written in the rules. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's his power. <laughs> He's a really powerful. You're just dog. good. You're just good. Oh, oh man, that's. What funny. about you? What's your okay. low complexity recommendation? Yeah, so my uh, low complexity recommendation, um, if you have not played Cosmic Encounters, I think that is absolutely key in order to like understand what asymmetrical player powers can really like add to a game. Um, and it, it's like Cosmic Encounters is really fun. It's one of those games that's like it's very old. So like it's been reskinned for different themes. If you want to like find a theme that you like specifically like, there's about twenty five um, expansions to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that like somehow just keep adding different races with like new asymmetrical player powers. Um, it's also like it's a very political game. Like it's a pl very player driven game. Like we we love that style of game, right? You're basically um, there's a very like simple combat mechanic that basically you're just putting down a card that has a number on it. And if you have a higher number, you win essentially, right? It's like adding like the number of ships that you send or something like that. Um, but then like other, you can basically invite other players to like join an assault with you. And the goal is to try and take over a certain number of like, like planetary systems. And so if a player like joins in the assault with you, then like they also get to like claim ownership of that planet. It helps advance them towards winning the game, just like it's helping you advance towards winning the game. Um, right, so yeah, it's yeah. a game where you never really feel 
totally out of it because you can kind of position yourself where there's going to be some key players fighting for really important territories, but you can be kind of like the low key player who can just join a couple of those combats, end up on like easy wins and all of a sudden like you're back in the game. No, I, I think what I also really like that Cosmic Encounter does, which Spirit Island kind of mirrors, is that there are more complex powers in Cosmic Encounter. So you mm-hmm. you can give a power to a new player that's a little bit easier to play is it's not necessarily any worse than like a more Mm -hmm. complex power but it also kind of like makes it so that the game can be fun for both new players and veteran players and spirit island does that a little bit as well which i really like yeah so do you want to know my little like my dirty little secret yeah you you and all of our listeners i've never played cosmic encounter oh really no i've never played it man (laughs) so oh that's so I know that's that must be like one of those ones that's up there, like in terms of just iconic, like iconic games that you like. Have you ever played Catan? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I host a podcast. And I've never played Cosmic Encounter, so uh, if yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of crazy. I played the, I I did play the Game of Thrones skinned version of it, but that's not as good. Right, it's not as good. No, so, I'd rather just play regular yeah, Cosmic Encounter. But no, nope, never played it. That's really it's funny. gonna be maybe maybe um, that'll and, be and a like, game typically night like one, so <laughs> maybe yeah that would be actually that would be a really good like late night game night yeah. one too where everyone's like a, a drink in they've gotten to play the game that they like really wanted to play now they're just gonna kind of <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you play Cosmic Encounter so much as just like experience it like it just kind of happens to <laughs> that's you. That's fair. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Um, but it is really funny that like it's something like it feels like fifty percent of the rules in the game is what your specific race can do. Like that's how <laughs> nice. much of the game is actually dictated by the asymmetry of it, you know, cause it's, it's a very simple game, which is what hell it's like. It's, it's a very, it's one of those things that feels like a very simple game. That's like this enormous, like APP mechanic is just like jammed into it. Um, it ends up being really fun. That's awesome. So snake draft time. See, oh, know. wait. Oh, I'm sorry. Mech rating. What's your, what's uh, yeah, your mech excuse rating you. Yeah. I'm, I, this is on me. <laughs> this one's on me. I promise it. I, it won't happen again, sir. I'm sorry. Yeah, my mech rating. Um, so mechanics, I had at a 7.5. I think that this, on, if I had played it more, it might even be higher just because it is it, it is such a, it's a, such a small rule set that fits together so nicely and just creates like this backboard for, yeah, I mean, like when we talk about how many races, there's like a hundred something. It's, it's absurd. More than that it's when dumb. you get into it. It's dumb. It's a crazy amount of like, you will never play every game of Cosmic Encounter that you can. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and so... Uh, so yeah, 7.5 for mechanics uh, experience. I had an 8.5. It's a game that I, I really enjoyed. Um, have a have a ton of fun playing. It's a very experience driven game. You know, it's going to be very dependent yeah, on the definitely. players that you have in there and that sort of thing. Components I had at a five. I played an older version of the game, so naturally it's it's a it's maybe a lower um, component <laughs> rating. Um, but if you count like the amount of work that they have put into creating all of these playable races, it would definitely like go up from there. So for that, that landed me at a seven point five. I think it's totally very worth nice. Okay, now now I really if, if Dalton gives something over a seven that I have not played, that that <laughs> goes to one of the top of my list to play. So yeah, I I'll, sure. I'll need to try that out. I'll need to try that out. maybe in January because sure. we've already submitted our recommendations yeah. for December game night. But maybe a January game night. Maybe a January game night. That that'd, that'd be, be fun. Yeah, that's awesome. Snake yep. draft style. That means you're up first for medium complexity. What is your medium complexity recommendation for asymmetrical player yeah. power games? So medium complexity, I have Cosmic Encounter on a board, which we call Doom. Oh, I was like, <laughs> wait, what? So you just said Cosmic Encounter. <laughs> <laughs> very nice. Very um, nice. So Dune. Yeah. So Dune. The reason I say that is like Dune very much feels like Cosmic Encounter with like with like this like dudes on a map element type added to it. Um, obviously, there's not as many. There's only like 
what six i think playable races in dune there there are six and the expansion adds two yeah the expansion adds two and i say races they're like uh like the nations and and that sort of thing from the book yeah dune we also talked a little bit about earlier has uh a mechanic where you can make these like coalitions and so it has this very political feel similar to like cosmic encounter it is a strong and there are there are more rules to dune but it is a strong enough app mechanic to where you're going to feel like you are playing a, a different game you have uh the benny Gesserit who can cl- like name a player and name a turn that they will win and if that player wins on that turn. <laughs> they do this at the start of the game. Then the Bene Gesserit win instead. Yeah. So they have this like very different game that they're playing where they're trying to force a player to win on a specific turn. Yeah. Um, I want to get that's, good that's enough a crazy at that thing game. Nobody else is doing Yeah, I want to get good enough at that game so that I am good with the Bene Gesserit because I could understand the strategies of the other <laughs> players to, hey, okay, so like the Arcadians may win on turn seven. So I'm going to call that so I can manipulate the board so that I can yeah. gain an advantage so that they don't win on turn seven or whatever. Like I... It's For one sure. of those that like I I really enjoyed Dune. I really really enjoyed Dune. Oh man, yeah. that was a good. You're game. playing 4D chess a little yeah. bit if you're playing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> playing that that strategy on the Benny Jesuit. <laughs> um, it also has a cool mo- modularity where you can increase the complexity. Probably honestly, kick it up to a high complexity level game, and it does that specifically by increasing the asymmetry of the game that's like the main thing that happens it adjusts like some game rules so it like works around like some things that they have to do another really cool thing about dune in order to explain this another really cool thing about dune is that the asymmetry is actually built into the way the game kind of like functions right like one of the players is the person that like anytime you play basically anytime you pay something to the bank it goes to a player instead like that's that player's asymmetry yeah so good yeah so good so like the core mechanics of the game are actually like intermingled with the asymmetry of it and so because of that when you expand to the higher complexity version like some of the base game rules change but it's not a lot they just kind of change like to make the game functional still and and most of the complexity is added into just like adding more asymmetry which is just like a really rewarding if i would love to get to a point where like we have like four or six players who are really good at dune that we can actually afford to do that you know i think that would be really <laughs> that fun would be a lot try. of fun i'm getting like amped just thinking about it so <laughs> yeah right another thing that like dune as we were just kind of like thinking about asymmetry in games i think games that are heavy in theme will land will lend themselves to asymmetry yeah i think that's a good point so especially yeah so especially games like dune that are themed after like a book or like uh, uh harry potter hogwarts battle yeah right after after a book they like in order to increase your experience like i want to play as harry well if i'm going to play as harry harry needs to have special powers right um, yep absolutely war of the ring or journeys in in middle earth like both lord of the ring games that do the same thing yep. like you want to be able to play with gimli and you want gimli to do something cool yeah no i, I think that's a great point i'm always happy yeah. I'm, it's always a good episode when war of the ring is mentioned so uh <laughs> for sure for sure. Uh, do you have a mech rating for uh, Dune? Dune, I have it at a 7.5 in mechanics. Um, again, I think it, it's doing the same thing that Cosmic Encounters is, where it's kind of building a backdrop of a game. It has more complexity, but it, really the star here is the asymmetry of it. So it's just kind of like creating something where that can happen. Um, experience I have at a 9, I have so much fun playing this game. Every you know, Absolutely. Because it's, I, I love that it's player-driven. I love the politics of it. Um, I love the massive power swings that happen over the game. But it's like one of the few games where you can have like a massive loss or even a massive win. And it just like doesn't determine the outcome of the game. <laughs> right, yeah. Like you can 
you can turn that into a win, but like you can also take a massive loss early in the game and totally come back later to win. I think that makes for such a fun experience. Absolutely. Um, and then components I have it in 8.5. Uh, that's partially because I have the 2019 print of it. <laughs> um, so obviously if I had an older print, I may not think that way. Um, but the print that I have has great components. Um, and again, it has this great theming of implementing all of the like families from the novel into playable families in the game that is like super rewarding. Um, so overall, that lands us at an 8.5. It's pretty high. That is my, a really high rating. Very nice. Yeah. Cool. That's exciting. I love Dune. What about you? What's your medium recommendation for games? My medium recommendation for asymmetrical or APPs is Cleanse of Caledonia. Yep. Have you played? I, I can't remember if you played Cleanse of Caledonia. No. So Cleanse of... It, it is one that we have talked about playing several <laughs> times. It's another one on the list. Yeah. So <laughs> Hasn't made it to the table. So I, I describe Cleanse of Caledonia as like uh terra mystical light or gaia project light because okay. it has the same mechanic of you are placing things onto the map which unlock income for you so it, it, it does make a very interesting choice of what you want to place out where you want to place it and then kind of it, it has another really interesting uh mechanic which is the market so there are six different goods and depending on how much how many goods or how many of one good a player sells or any player sell like if you sell it the market will start buying it for less. Like it's an actual market. So you you adjust the price of goods throughout the game, which I think is really mm -hmm. cool. Where the asymmetry asymmetry comes in, and this is probably one of the ones where it's um, it's it's not huge in the asymmetry, uh, but mm -hmm. it you you start out the game with like a clan. So it, it's a in Scotland. So you start out as a clan, and then you have like a, mm -hmm. a special player power. So like one of the the most recent clan that I played with, I don't remember the name, but the one of the goods that you can place out onto the board is like uh, whiskey, or I guess scotch. Oh, okay. And so the the player power that I was playing with is if I play scotch I, or whiskey, I can actually place it onto my little player sheet, and then every turn it gets it ferments more, like it, it gets better. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. instead of selling it for the normal price, I can sell it for way more the longer I hold on to it. So it just gives me like this little mm -hmm. out and it gives me like direction like we were talking about earlier. It's like, oh, cool. I'm going to build wheat, which then gives me the ability to build whiskey. Like that's what I'm going to start mm -hmm. the game doing. And then once mm -hmm. I do that, I need to analyze the board and figure out what I'm going to do next. There, there are some fun races where you can like place on water and then like you'd like row across the sea like it's just kind of like fun stuff like that yeah and then i think it does a really good job of having some or player powers that amplify different aspects of the game so there's you know the player power that's best at buying and selling goods at the market there's player powers that's mm. best at fulfilling contracts and so it's just like it, it really helps give you that direction that you're looking at clans of caledonia is a is a it's a really good i don't know hour and a half two hour game that gives you that bang that you're looking for when you're looking for like this like heavy euro but in the shorter amount of time and, and that's good probably like if you're going to accomplish that if you're going to accomplish a game that is like heavy in mechanics and uh, variability and like things that are options that are available to you but also make a short game that means that most of the time the players are going to be ignoring some of the mechanics right or some of the like maybe available tracks to victory points or whatever so having like an option for asymmetry is going to help players kind of make that determination of like what am i going to be able to accomplish in these like short turns that i have or whatever yeah absolutely so running through my uh my mech rating for this um it's mm -hmm. pretty easy to figure out so for mechanics i have it a 7.5 for experience i have it a 7.5 for components, okay. I have it a seven point five. <laughs> oh, so nice. it it, it okay. runs the gambit. Let me do the math here. Yeah. 
And do you remember my so weightings? Your average. Do you remember my weightings? It's 40, 50, 10. Oh, shoot. 40, 50, 10. Factoring that in, you would come out at 7.5. Holy shit, that's incredible. You can just do that. Yeah, it was head. really fast. Oh, like man. <laughs> but, yeah, so, so okay, I, I do want to point out one of the reasons that the components came up a little bit is something that I mentioned earlier in the episode is it's in a very compact box. So it's probably like a, mm. a third of the size as a normal game box. And I love that. Yeah. I, I am all about yeah. that. But matters <laughs> exactly but yeah overall because the number of board games you're allowed to have is equal to if you can fit them yeah and then <laughs> so. and then i found the loophole is i just buy more shelves and then that got next pretty quickly uh <laughs> 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 but you know whatever but yeah yeah it's clever boy yeah. <laughs> exactly <laughs> quince of caledonia is a really good one um if you enjoy like terra mystic if you enjoy gaia project any of those types of games you're gonna enjoy clans of caledonia so awesome yeah, we'll play it soon. We'll play it soon. <laughs> Can't wait. Cool. So, Snake Draft, it's back to you again. What is your high complexity recommendation? My high complexity recommendation is Spirit Island. I already used that, didn't I? But yeah, you did already use that. I was about to say. I know, but I figured I'd slide it before. in anyway. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm just, you know, just just throwing it out there. It's a great, it's a great game. We should really look at it. I think my mech is like at 11.3 or something like that, but. Mm. no solid <laughs> so my high recommendation for asymmetrical player powers is gaia project so gaia project is my number two game of all kind uh, all time according to the most recent nelson's top five games of all time posting uh but mm. gaia project is a game about space exploration and it's kind of like if yeah it's clans of caldonia but heavy version so you you play this race which actually has two most of them have two layers of asymmetry. One of them is okay. a beginning power that you get. And then there's another asymmetrical power that you can unlock if you build a specific building. So some of these mm-hmm. are like, you know, you get, you start out the game where you increase on one of the six technology tracks, which just kind of gives you a nice little boost. But then if you build your planetary yeah. institute, your your big building, then you also unlock an ability where you get to cycle X amount of power. And then whenever you colonize a new planet, you get three science or something like that. So it mm-hmm. does give you that path. And I think what we've kind of said is that first time playing out, it's probably best to try and build that planetary institute round one or two. And that really kind of yeah. unlocks the entire gambit of your asymmetrical player power just gives you the path for the rest Mm -hmm. of the game this game and because there's like six rounds in the game yeah i think for a new player having it's sort of like uh seven wonders just having this like target of like okay i need to figure out how am i going to build this in the first like round or two like first of all you're never going to regret it um and then second it just gives them kind of like something to do to like figure out like okay how do the mechanics of this game fit together you know because it is complicated enough to like where you work through like okay how to what does it mean like how what what planets do i have to claim what does it mean when i like terraform a planet or whatever and how how do i turn like a mining outpost or whatever it's called into like a trading you know post or whatever we always forget the names for the things (laughs) there's like five different buildings and we never remember what they're called no Um, yeah that's so true and yeah i i do really enjoy kind of how you can like it is completely different play styles with your asymmetrical player power but also is the app's of the other players that really dictate the game as well so if you're playing and i think this is amplified in this game like more than some of the other games like you know like gloomhaven aside right like but like in this Mm -hmm. game like 
if you understand and know the other player powers, then you're going to have an advantage in in that game yeah, because sure. you know what they're going for and you know it's like okay so typically i would i would fund or i would i would buy this common i would buy this common action you know a turn later but i'm playing the faction that can buy it earlier so i'm going to go ahead and do that and just be able to flex into mm-hmm. kind of playing against your opponent's strengths which I, I i really am looking forward to once i have even more games of gaia project under my belt yeah i i i will talk highly about Gaia project on my deathbed you know (laughs) i think that Gaia project um is masterfully executed for for several reasons but i i think that the that you're right that the asymmetry fits in really well it's one where when you get to competitive uh so we talked earlier about like a danger of asymmetry is that it can unbalance games Gaia project uh fixes it a little bit but it's still it's similar to terra mystica in that like uh, on certain board setups, depending on how the board is set up randomly, and also um, specifically like the round bonuses, and then additionally like the uh, I forget what they're called, but those like tiles that you can get that are that are like a specific like income bonus yeah, for like this just one like the turn marker round. thing. Yeah. yeah, like the turn. I forget what they're called, but anyways, um, depending on what of those are like in play, there are going to be races that are more powerful than other ones. So it sort of inherently balances that, where it says like the first person who gets to place will place like their first colony or their first mining outpost or whatever first, but their second one last, like, because you do kind of a snake draft. And it messes, like, basically it includes choosing your race in the setup actions and kind of balances out so that, like, in competitive play, all the players can look and say, like, I think that this is the race that's best to take. But I also know that, like, choosing the best, choosing the race first has, like, some disadvantages to it. You know, so they kind of have to, like, in a competitive sense, you kind of have to, like, play those things in. So it does a really good job of, like, yes, the... APP will uh, play out to an advantage for a specific player, but it also kind of self self balances because uh, the players get to choose, but they get to choose kind of at a cost. Yeah, totally. And like the, it, it is one of those games where you can't really sit down and say, I want to play this race, mm-hmm. especially at like higher levels of play, because there, there could be like, if you're playing a race that is only inhabiting like orange planets and all the orange planets right. happen to be at the fringes of the galaxy on the modular board, that's you're not going to win that game. It's just like it's it's really hard to expand your race at that point, and so the board yeah. layout really comes into picking your race, which is I think mm-hmm. a little bit of a, a downside to the game because they're like a lot of times when I'm playing a game with heavy asymmetrical player powers, I want to play a specific power, whereas Gaia Project just to like try yeah them just all. to try them all, whereas Gaia Project can kind of yeah. lend itself to not being as good. So hopping into my mech. Uh, this is, I think, one of the only games that I have at a mechanics is equal to ten. I, is I it? don't, I don't know how it can be improved. I, it's, I, I think the yeah. mechanics in this game are as close to flawless as I've seen. It, it's a phenomenal yeah. mechanical game. Mm-hmm. Experience I have it an eight point five, and that experience rating does rise every time I play it. It feels like because yeah. it, it is yeah. a very complex game, which, mm-hmm. you know, once you understand the rules and you're playing with a lot of people that understand the rules, you get into that state of flow and it really makes mm-hmm. it feel great. And then components I have at a nine as well. Uh, great theming, great little plastic molding pieces uh, for an overall mm-hmm. of a 9.2, which is 
I mean, it's my second favorite game of all time. So it's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's up there in the mech rating. So uh, <laughs> highly, highly recommend Gaia Project if you're an avid gamer. Yeah, for sure. It is, it is worth the buy. Certainly worth a try. Yeah, exactly. If you, <laughs> if, you, if you find someone who's willing to play it with you. What about um, you? For me, so, yeah. For me, this is going to be totally un... Maybe well, it might be totally unsurprising. Um, so I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna use my Twilight Imperium recommendation here. What? Um, I know I was trying, really I was considering okay. saving. It. The only reason I wouldn't <laughs> is because I was considering saving it in case we do like a four X episode. Yeah, and yeah, I might, yeah. You know, recommend Twilight Imperium there. Um, so in in uh, light of that, in preparation <laughs> for that, it. I will specifically recommend Twilight Imperium Fourth Edition. <laughs> fair, okay, fair, fair, fair. <laughs> so twilight imperium fourth edition uh so twilight imperium it is a 4x game if we haven't if you're not familiar with that term um it, let's see if i can do it expand explore exploit external example those are the four oh. x's oh, no. example <laughs> um expand i already said which that. Yeah. okay so i actually looked this up earlier um uh-huh. none of those start with x <laughs> that is true they start with ex and they sound like you're saying x but they don't actually start with an x yeah. but google did confirm so i'm just saying hey google yeah. confirmed that's good um but so first of all i do love 4x games like i, I love I, I love the ability to build both an economy and and a uh and and an engine but also having like a war element like i you know i i love 4x games um but twilight imperium does a really good job specifically of playing into the asymmetry of it so you're playing these awesome alien races right and you're like well i want to be able to like play out the extent of like what it would mean for um like we talked in our previous world building episode for the for books like if there's something inherent like if there's a slight change in your world um that needs to play out through all the elements of like the society that that world is kind of playing in and i think twilight imperium does a good job of saying like this is the blank race right this is the technology race this is the dreadnought race this is the race that doesn't have to stay with its within its own home system you know and just kind of having like an idea for it but then allowing that to kind of propagate in small and interesting ways uh through the many many mechanics that are prep that are already implemented into the game and, and what they do with different expansions they do a really good job of saying like we're gonna add some content maybe it's like a new mechanic maybe it's a new uh you know, element to the game or, or a new unit or something like that. Um, and they'll pick like half of the things that are, they're introducing in, a, in an expansion um, and say, this is going to be specific to a player, right? So this is going to play into asymmetry where every, we're going to not only just release this new mechanic, but every race is now going to get uh, in the upcoming or the, the recent re- recently released expansion. Um, every play, every race got a, a mechanized unit. Um, oh, which is actually cool. something that existed in third edition, and I was really missing from third edition because it makes ground combat interesting. Interesting, I didn't, I didn't um, realize. Ground, that. Yeah, that's cool. It, yeah, it's like a unit that can sustain damage, and so it's like cool. a lot stronger on the ground. That's and, awesome. Then it also has just like more power. Um, but then each of those mech- mechanized units now has an asymmetrical player power. So Ooh, um, nice. some of them are like, yeah, like I remember like the wormhole one is something like if someone activates a system like near this one or something like that, you can like destroy the unit to like place a wormhole in that system <laughs> nice. or something like that. Right. So they have these like just crazy um, abilities that are like unique. And it's like you didn't have to you could have just implemented mechanized units like that is a good enough improvement. But the fact that you also tacked on like some asymmetry here just kind of builds into the lore and how much I like end up enjoying the game. Um, so every every race will have like a couple of powers that are unique to it but then they will also get played out through like all of these different mechanics that are kind of 
introduced to the game already. And I, I think that that's just like, it makes for an excellent representation of what asymmetry in a, in a game can kind of lead to, right? It's like that end of the spectrum of like, here is what it can look like. And it does feel like you're playing totally different games. Even though none of your abilities are inherently game breaking, you have so many of them that are so strong that the culmination of them feels like you're playing a different game. That, that yeah, sense. that's really cool. That's a great way to put it. I, uh, Yep. It, it was kind of funny. We we're talking about the new expansion to Twilight Imperium Fourth Edition in the Discord, and mm-hmm. I, I'm so excited about that expansion. And yet, I've only played two of the races in the base game. Where <laughs> so like <laughs> like I'm just like I I don't know. I'm a sucker for it, but like I, I'm just excited that there's more content to a game that people know and love. Oh, for sure. And it, it is a fantastic game. I've like I said, I, I I've only played it twice. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think it's been only t- two times because um, okay. you, your friend has to ha- set up a game day um, for us to play it. Yeah, so, yeah. But yeah, which is hard to do in COVID. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But like the first time I played, I played as a race called the Arborek, which is like, you know, their game breaking ability is kind of like you get to kind of produce outside of your production stations because you're plant-based exactly. you can just kind of like spread and yeah. you're just like annoying and then the second time i played a completely different race which was like the necrovirus mm-hmm. where if i attacked someone yeah, necrovirus yeah it, it was awesome where if i attacked someone mm-hmm. i got to like copy one of their uh, technology advancements which are like uh, completely different games or completely different powers and it felt like i played a completely different game and where i was more aggressive with the necrovirus where i was more defensive with the arborek and it was just like it was just so much fun especially as a new player just like oh this is what i do cool i'm gonna do it and it, it just like worked very mm-hmm. well i think I, I, yeah. I i'm a big fan of twilight imperium yeah for sure i i will say there so i think there are a total of 24 races that's now. absurd um, that that's crazy it's re- it's so much content that they had to produce for each race to like even make them playable. It's just insane that they've actually pulled it off. This new expansion, I think, has six or seven, something like that. That's awesome. I think it's seven. That's awesome. Yeah. One of one of them I'm really excited about, I think you would really enjoy, is similar to Necrovirus, where like they get rewarded if they attack other players, but they get rewarded through like engine building things. I love it already. Um, so it like Yeah, it makes like <laughs> certain it, it would be it would be complicated to describe here, but it basically it just makes it increases the engine of their econ- like basically their economy. Oh, very cool. Um, gets faster when they start attacking Sweet. people. That's awesome. Um, so I'm I I was like reading it and I was like if I was playing and they were on the board I would actively avoid fighting them because like <laughs> the benefits that they're getting are just like so strong. That's awesome. Um, and then once I fought them once I would fight them a bunch. <laughs> to knock them back down. Very nice. But it's hard. It's it's such a long game. We can't set it up in like a game night. Yeah. Like that. So we're gonna have to find another mechanism yeah. to play it through. Yeah. Um, so anyways, getting to, uh, mechanics, mechanics, I have it a 9.5 as large as the game is, I think it's really hard to find improvements on it, especially in fourth edition because the third edition was so good. Um, but it was just very broad. And so when they kind of like simplified things and streamlined things into fourth edition, I think it was a real accomplishment experience. I have it an 8.5. I think uh, there is some downtime. There are things that drag twilight Imperium down in that sense. Um, but there are, it's so political. Uh, there's so much player interaction. Um, there's so every, Every single decision you make can influence the outcome of the game, and I think that's just so fun to play through. Um, components, I have it a nine. Um, a lot of, that has actually gone up recently um, because of the kind of recent improvements uh, that the expansions have been bringing in. Just again, kind of like building into those the asymmetry of all those like races. Um, there's some great artwork. Every time you flip, if you flip over like your race card, it has like paragraphs and paragraphs of 
uh, lore about that specific race. There's this whole backstory that you can read at the start of the book. So it just does a really good job of kind of like tying the whole game together in a way that makes you feel like you're actually playing like a galactic conquest type of game. <laughs> yeah, you very know, you really true. buy into that. Very, very so, true. So overall, that brings me to an 8.9. Nice. That's a really high, highly rated game. So, yeah, I'm finding that we're... we're we're just highly rating games that have, you know, a <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really that's like true. That. <laughs> we, we, we do enjoy that. Um, we do enjoy that. Yeah. So do you have anything else that you want to slip in here at the end before we wrap it all up? Oh, no. I've gotten to talk about Twilight Imperium, so I am more than Perfect. happy. Perfect. That's awesome. <laughs> I am warm and fuzzy inside. <laughs> Very nice. Well... Uh, so so that was our episode on asymmetrical player powers uh, let us know what you think so you can find us pretty much anywhere on social media we're on instagram twitter facebook the discord i really highly recommend joining the discord especially if you want to join in on these monthly game nights because th- those yeah, are sure. i mean the first one was a blast the second one's going to be even better so i'm looking forward to it yep um, but you can find us anywhere on fantasy and some flies the best place to find the discord like dalton said was on our website there's a little icon or if you go to our instagram mm-hmm. if you click on the uh, website in our profile you can find it there but if that's all then i'm really excited and this was an awesome episode and i'm really excited to talk to you a little bit here at the sheer boredom uh year (laughs) in wrap-up discussion so cheers buddy yep for sure cheers